0: This is a Pele Media Podcast.
1: Welcome back to Goonies Minute, everybody. Goonies Minute was a fan podcast that carefully explored the movie Goonies Minute by Minute. I'm Brady.
0: And this is Chris.
1: And we are here, joined today by my co-host from Ghostbusters Minute and Jurassic Park Minute, Kyle uh kyle how you doing i'm
2: doing great gentlemen i just want to congratulate you on uh closing the chapter on another film here uh, i think you guys have done a wonderful job and congratulations for making it to minute number 107 of the goonies that is no small feat round of applause gentlemen round of applause
1: <laughs> oh you can well,
2: hear the
0: applause <laughs> yeah. throughout the radio and podcast world yes you can
1: <laughs> Uh well no, none of this would be possible without you because you are after all the producer of the show. The Godfather. The Godfather of the show and all the clips that we're able to pull our notes from. Come from you, from your source. Yeah, well,
2: uh, happy to do my part. I think you guys have done a fantastic job, and I'm glad that somebody uh, tackled the Goonies because this is one of my favorite films, and I'm sure as a lot of our, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it's got to be one of your favorite films, but uh, it's just, you know, for people, I think, in our age range who grew up in the, you know, the 80s and the early 90s, kind of, you know, we were were children during those phases. This was like the Banner movie. I think that every child kind of, like, set their childhood to, you know, like, I, I think we were, like, one of the last generations to have, like, you know, um, even though we a lot of us were latchkey kids, you still have like a sense of adventure in the world and being able to go out into an undeveloped United States of America and have adventures and stuff like that. Now, I don't know that kids always get that. Uh, not necessarily a bad thing. I think it, uh, this movie and the way that a lot of kids were in the eighties and the seventies, um, it was very dangerous to be a child then I'm glad that they don't have to put up with a lot of the stuff that we do, uh, that, that we did yeah. back then. But, um, This movie really captures something there, and I'm so glad that you guys were able to tackle it and uh, approach it in the way you have. So, fantastic job.
1: Well, I hope we're able to... We were able to kind of... You know, yeah, like you say, capture this movie uh, as well as we could in the Movies by Minutes format. With these types of um, shows, you always have to wonder, did I do the movie justice? Did I do the absolute best job that I could in bringing this film to this format, this Movies by Minutes format? Uh, And you never know. And, And... you know, you, you can't satisfy everybody, and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who are just uh, waving their fists in anger when they're listening to the show because we didn't include this piece of trivia. And we've also had this with Jurassic Park Minute and Ghostbusters Minute. Some people write in uh, whenever we were doing those and say, you know, this is something that you guys didn't mention. You might want to, like, consider this. And none of it was ever, you know, out of line. Uh, and it was always very helpful. We really appreciated it. Um, well, it's, it's amazing how far we've come from uh, which was... Us
0: discussing at the Bulldog, which is a local bar here in Baton Rouge. Yeah, um, I we had just uh, recorded the Ghostbusters two Patreon uh, edi- edition for Ghostbusters minute, and I was thinking, man, you know, what's another movie? Because I really wanted to be involved with one for the the, the whole way. Yeah, and I, and I, I had two movies in mind, and one was Goonies, and one was Back to the Future. And it's what you said, Back to the Future that had already been done. I was thinking, you know, let's do Goonies and that's and I had no idea what it would become and I think from the start to the finish we've done nothing but improve but our goal was to always be prepared. Our goal was always to do you know as much of a professional job as possible but also have fun. We wanted to follow you know follow a timeline for each minute, the minute breakdown. We that was important to us. But we also didn't want to limit ourselves to just what's in that actual minute, because I think it can become stale, and uh, I think people want to hear the stories that spin off of that, the other little things that happen. I think that's what people come back for, because the people that are listening to this podcast are already fans of the movie, and we suspect already know pretty much what's going on. So if they hear us just talking about what goes on in a sequential minute, then they already know what to expect. Yeah. But people don't want to know exactly what to expect. They want to have a little bit of surprise, and I think that we've been able to give them that. I hope so,
1: and I I think so. You know, I think that there's fans of this movie who were probably able to listen to the show and find out some stuff that they didn't know, and uh, that's our job, and I can only hope that we, we lived up to the task. And as I have said in the finales of Ghostbusters Minute and Jurassic Park Minute... Um, I can't speak for the people who are doing other Movies by Minute shows. I can only speak for myself in that I would love to hear another Goonies Minute. I would love to hear other shows in this format covering these movies because I am obsessed with these movies. And I want to get my hands on every bit of information and every different perspective and outlook on these movies that I can. And um, that's only going to come from more people doing this thing minute by minute. Uh, So I... Very much, you know, not just welcome, but but almost request that someone else do this and do a really good job at it. And I, you know, obviously, call it something else. You know, I wouldn't want someone else to come up with a title like Goonies Minute. And I can only, like I said, I can only speak for myself and the movies that I've done. So hopefully, someone will take up that call and uh, educate me on these things because I I want all the information I can, especially about the Goonies. There's a lot going on in and behind the scenes of this movie. I don't believe somebody should do it if they're going to quote
0: unquote half ass it. Do Be committed to it. If you say that you're going to release it every day, release it every day. If you say you're going to release it Monday and Wednesday Friday, release it Monday and Wednesday and Friday. The same thing that you would do in every part of your everyday life. Yeah. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Do it. It's as simple as that because it doesn't do the people that came before you justice that have done a great job. You know, even if you don't have the greatest show, do the best you can. Do it when you
1: say you're going to do it. Let the chips fall where they may. Well, i tell you what, since this is the last time we get to say this, I'm going to let Chris take it and go ahead and say it. So you want to get into the minute? Let's get into the minute. In the previous minute, Mr. Walsh was handed the foreclosure contract. He began to write his signature, giving the final go-ahead for the demolition of the goondocks. At that moment, Rosalita discovered Mikey's bag containing an assortment of priceless jewels. She rushed over to the group and poured the jewels into Mrs. Walsh's hands. At the last second, the Goonies stopped Mr. Walsh from signing the contract. At minute 107, Mikey tells his dad that the Fratellis failed to take the jewels from him, and that the Goondocks are saved. Mr. Walsh begins to tear up the contract and says that there will be no more signing today or ever again. He throws the shredded contract into the air. A TV reporter steps forward and asks the Goonies to tell him their story. One by one, they list off all of the events they experienced in the caves. The last event that they tell him is about a pirate ship they discovered, filled with treasure. The sheriff steps forward and asks Chunk if he's telling another one of his tall tales. He is quickly silenced by something he sees in the distance. Everyone turns around to see that he has spotted the Inferno. Everyone stares in amazement as One-Eyed Willie's ship slowly sets sail from Astoria and out to sea. The Goonies take a seat on a rock and share a moment of reflection. Mikey gives a small wave and thanks Willie. He has now completed his own quest. The dramatic silence is quickly broken as Sloth lets out a triumphant scream. The Goonies join him and begin waving their hands in the air. We cut back to One-Eyed Willie as he continues to sail off into the horizon. And thus ends... The Goonies. So here we are. We're, you know, on the beach on this parking lot where the families of the Goonies have been able to reunite with them. The Fratellis were taken to justice... And uh, Mr. Perkins and Troy showed up with the foreclosure documentation that's about to be signed. Rosalita has found the marble bag with all the jewels, and the goondocks are saved. So we open up here at Minute 107 with Mr. Walsh. Tearing. Oh, Mr. Walsh. Boy, he was really a tough guy.
0: When <laughs> I'm not signing
1: this. Chris has some sort of affliction for Mr. Walsh, Kyle. I don't know if you've he's, uh, he's, he's a bit he of a dork, He just annoys me. He's, like this, uh... he's a dork. <laughs> I mean, it's the character. He's uncool. Yeah, that's yeah. what you call that. What did you call him? A whipped boy? Or he's, a whipped no, dog? he is whipped.
0: <laughs> he is whipped. I'm sure he's a uh, he's a wonderfully nice man. Oh, sure. That yeah. uh, tr- tries his best to provide for his family, even though he's failing here. You know, w- maybe it's not his fault. But you can see why. Mikey, no, he's a nice. He
2: is. He, you can see why Mikey kind of looks at uh, Brendan Walsh as kind of a, a father figure at some points in time. You know? He's a he's a
0: he's a loving man, and you can tell he loves his kids. And there's something to be said for that. I
1: think that there's some something in what you're saying, and it's the point you just made, Kyle. Uh, we have we've pointed out countless times in this that uh, Brand lacks a certain leadership, yeah. and even though he's the strongest, the mm-hmm. oldest, he's just he's kind of weak. And I think it's because he might have had to have filled the role of man of the house, or wasn't it? Well, he was.
0: Or, or he's been maybe in a situation. Where he needs to fill that role, but he hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, and he doesn't know how because yeah. he hasn't had an example set forth for yeah. him by his own father, and so he can't. Maybe really, I don't know.
1: yeah, and he That's, can't. Um, it's we we just kind of see him suffer. What you, you think know. about what, Kyle? What do you think about
0: Bran? What, what the, his whole personality and his development throughout the movie. What you think about You know, I'm kinda him? guessing
2: that his character arc here is that he goes from the bullying older brother to kind of a more loving brother of Mikey there at the very end. We see that, you know, he puts him in a headlock and drags him off. Or wait is no, that's actually earlier on in the movie, right. isn't it? That was in the beginning. Yeah. Um
0: Yeah, that was a beginning. That was the actual sweet movement moment in the beginning when they're on yeah. the porch. Right after Mr Perkins had come uh, for the first time to drop off the papers,
2: uh, I can both identify and not identify with Brent because, um, being, uh, the oldest brother of, of four brothers, I always would go over to my friend's house and their brothers would just be like total dicks to them and like punch him and like beat us up and like try to act cool. And I always wanted to I always said that I'm never going to be that kind of big brother but I also kind of identify with him because he hangs out with his younger brother a lot too. And then their friends by proxy kind of become his friends as well. So it's, just, he gets right. in this really weird right. kind of situation throughout the course of this movie where he's like clearly like years older than all these like little kids. And he's not only kind of a babysitter with him, but you see him kind of like trying to work through this stuff with him as well. So it's, um, you know, there's, I don't know that there's really a whole lot of character growth for really anybody in this movie. Uh, maybe other than the right. chunk, I think maybe probably has the only full character arc in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's it, I really disliked Josh Brolin in this movie, and that kind of speaks to his abilities as an actor, you know, and of course he's, he's right. Thanos, you know, the bad guy in the biggest movie franchise of all time, well, probably right now, and, uh, you know, his career really had this, um, you know, exploded over the last, like, decade, you know, you didn't hear about him for, like, a very long time, yeah. and after No Country for Old Men, you know, he can get any part that he wants, uh, so, but to, to to the character, it's really weird because he just kind of is this, um, I don't know, almost like likable bully. Like he's just bullying them there at the very beginning, but then you do kind of like start to, to like him a little bit over the course of the movie. But there's no real like one action that kind of defines him as a character in this movie. Or, or this I
0: mentioned, I had mentioned that he's kind of stuck in a place between adulthood mm-hmm. and uh, gooniehood, let's just yeah. say. Uh, he's kind of that in between, so he's he's kind of sometimes wants to be the adult, but he doesn't have the experience or the wherewithal to right. be an adult. But then he doesn't quite fit in with the kids, so he's kind of kind of lost yeah. a little bit. And you and you even see that where um, he's a guy that obviously has the brawn to um, stand up to Troy. Mm-hmm. But if you notice, he still cowers cowers from him because he doesn't have that self confidence. Right. I think, even though we know he could probably beat him up, you know that's it's yet yeah, it doesn't show. It looks like Troy's the guy that's six five, three hundred pounds, even though yeah. he's not, because Troy is the arrogant guy with you know, that has the confidence. It's just interesting watching him, but. Um, I think he he, he grows up maybe a little bit. Well, you know, at the it's end, funny. He gets his uh, you know, heroic but... moment there at the very end and instead of like staying on the ship and trying to help the kids, he
2: jumps in the water to go after the girl that he likes. Now, however, <laughs> he does save <laughs> yeah. uh, Annie. Is it Annie or Andy? Andy? Andy, Andy. He does save her because, you know, her hands are bound. She wouldn't be able to swim. So, without him jumping in there and kind right. of like uh keeping her afloat, she might have drowned. So, maybe in that situation, he was trying to,
0: you know. And, and he drags he, he drags uh Chunk uh right. out. Uh, from underneath, uh, sloth leg. That's right true. He
2: does too. save him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's true. But I, I would have, I yeah.
2: think, liked it more yeah, if it's... there was some sort of moment where maybe he punched one of the Fatelli brothers out, or gave him a black eye, or something like that, or really kind of stood up
0: at the very end. Is like, absolutely. Or punched yeah. Troy. I would have loved to see him yeah. deck Troy. He does try and get at Troy there at the end. Yeah, but, but it's kind yeah. of a weak effort. <laughs> now, Kyle, you mentioned something while in in, in the middle of that. Uh, you talked about chunks development. And one thing that I kind of liked is that we know that Chunk, leading up to the movie, his character was, he always lied. And I thought that was interesting in this movie, he continually told the truth over and over and over and over again, and people Mm -hmm. didn't believe him. So it was kind of, I thought that was really interesting how uh, they developed that, and that he constantly told the truth. Throughout the movie, whereas before he was a constant right. liar and to see his struggle to try to get people yeah. to believe him. And then the second part about him, which maybe is more, of course, obviously a luck thing, he would all of his screw ups led to things happening to where it allowed the Goonies to get to the yeah. next level <laughs> or next thing to go on. So those are two things that really were interesting to me with Chunk. And I agree, he did develop yeah, as a character. Yeah, he,
2: he, he does. Absolutely. And uh, he has also, uh, you know, since I haven't been on the show, I just need to point out, and I'm sure you guys have mentioned this a lot, uh, clearly I think the best comedic chops in the entire movie uh, come from the actor who plays Chunk. You know, he's, the the scene where they're sticking yes. him in the back of the SUV and he's like sc- trying to scream and oh, you just yeah. see him in the background as the Fatelli brothers like singing opera. And he's, like, at first he's like saying like yes. a, a Jewish like prayer. And like Hebrew or something like that, like that is every yes. he's got. They're trying to st- you know he's crying and confessing everything. Like I crack up every time I see that. He is. Uh, it's, it's it's a shame that he didn't yeah. continue on with his film career because he really could have had a lot of stuff. But you know I think he's actually probably making more money now as an attorney than he would as an actor. I know, and you know what?
1: He's the most. He's the sharpest looking, oh, totally, handsome yeah. dude of all of yeah. them right now. <laughs> You know, he's a sharp looking dude. You know, we talk about maybe some missed opportunities with the development of brand. Um, I think another missed opportunity in this movie is the character of the goondocks. Uh, that's the crux of the entire movie is saving their town. And we only get to see like little yeah. bits and pieces of it. Um, and Like, okay, take Jaws. Amity Island is like almost like basically like a lead character in that film. It's all over yeah. the movie. And here we are trying to save this interesting, like, quirky little side of Astoria, Oregon. And and you only get, like, a couple of sweeping shots and everything. Now, I know, okay, this is a kid's adventure film that might all be lost on our target demographic, which is children. So I can understand why they might not have put it in. Uh, you know, and, and a little too much character growth or time spent on growing the character of Brand would have gotten in the way of things that... You know, people went to this movie to see, and that's, you know, climbing on a pirate ship. Do you think that there's a um, movie to be made these days
2: so, in the story about, like, maybe gentrification or something like that? I mean, because that's—I mean, that had to be what happened. You know, they probably put up that golf course, you know, and then their house was maybe, like, a little—you uh, know, the 19th hole or something like that. But if they remade Goonies today, I think it would be huh. really funny to have, like, this town—like, somebody want to come in and put in, like, an artisan mayonnaise shop or something like that where the Goondocks were—
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah you know, you go, Br- yeah. we do kind of get
2: some shots there at the very beginning of the film where we see them, you know, chunks hanging out in his arcade, and um, uh, Martha Plumpton's characters—they're like pulling her crab yeah. out of a bucket or something like that. Like you, you <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird, huh?
1: right. Yeah, you remember on our our Patreon that we did over last weekend uh, when I was reviewing the drafts of the script, it actually made mention of what she was doing. Her dad yeah. worked on the dock. And she had to go through all of those things and pick out sure. the crabs that uh, they would have brought up from the... the
0: Which is, ama- you know, it's amazing ocean. that she could did not freak out by that, because remember how she was with the fish head on the rake? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, she her and Andy freaked out, and then how grossed out she is by when they kiss or attempt to kiss for the first time. Yet she's not disgusted yeah. by that crab. But then again, it's to each his own of what they've experienced throughout their life. So if she's been yeah. doing this for her dad, then that would it, actually make cool sense. It's cool that we get yeah, to see sure. her
2: doing that for her dad and, you know, um, uh, we, we get to see Mikey, you know, working on the job with his dad. These are, like, supposed to be kids, like, in junior high and high school, yet they're kind of, like, pulled into work right. with their parents because, you know, this These are the, this is kind of the suppressed class in the goondocks. And, Brady, I agree with you. We probably should have got maybe a few more shots to kind of establish, like, what made the goondocks special to them. Why was every, you know, home is home to everybody but just you know a 30 second montage of what goes on in this town uh besides seeing the Fatelli's race through it probably yeah. would have helped a little bit kind of raised the stakes you know uh, of course we understand they're losing their home but what is yeah. the goondocks to them yeah, How is how was it
0: home i, I agree with you. you you know just a few more shots before we yeah. skip to something or, or or you know what you know what you could do i'll tell you when they would have fit in because right at the end of that chase it's pretty cool. They have—I uh, I don't know if you—if you heard the episode where you actually see their uh, ORV pulling down one yeah. of the side streets, and yeah. it's like they've made the escape. It's pretty—it's pretty cool. It's but they could have—they uh, could have done some stuff there, just shown the city a little bit more, you know, or, or just or shown that area. I'm sorry, not the city, but the area a little bit more. There's a few things they could have done, but I mean, maybe we're splitting hairs
1: with that. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, uh, okay. Have you ever seen Collateral with Tom Cruise? And Jamie Foxx, he's a cab driver, and Tom Cruise is a hitman who's got to make it yes, him drive but around. but it's a
0: once. A once I've it's seen so it. It's so good. Yes, it um, is. How long ago was that? 10?
1: A little over 10 years, maybe. 10 years. Like yeah, it. I've seen it. It's but,
0: really good. Yeah,
1: the movie... So he, the people that he's you know, bumping off throughout the night are... You get little bits and pieces of how they're related to each other and how they're related to a bigger picture. And it was this big, epic idea and Michael Mann the director said let's the, the interesting part here is this one night this one like bring you know following around these two characters we don't need all this other exposition that's not the story the story is these two guys going around LA in this one night so it's almost like the goonies could have been a much bigger picture and we're only getting to see a little glimpse of it um there's everything about Mr. Walsh i think there's a whole bunch of story and character there that we've kind of touched on 2004, Um, by the way. 2004. Okay. So close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, For anyone who hasn't seen... No, that's fine. Collateral. Definitely check it out. Anyway, Um, go ahead. That's me being selfish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's just an idea of of how I think The Goonies is almost kind of like that. We're getting like one chapter in a big book here. Uh, So I don't know, man. You know, The Goonies is kind of primed for some expanded universe type stuff uh following these characters and thus furthering further developing all the things that we're not seeing that I think we should be seeing I have got a question uh Yes sir how
0: this would have been something that it would have been an amazing book like it would have been an amazing 400 or 500 page book Okay and then yeah. the Goonies it's like and then the Goonies with this was the Goonies movie was a condensed version of mm-hmm. it Yeah so but that could have yeah. been an amazing book it could have definitely could have been been, a, it could even have been a two part
1: yeah book. And I don't see why some is, fan is out there who does fan fiction, fiction fan couldn't you think? take that up. I mean I'm sure there <laughs> is. Know, is I, yeah. I'm
0: sure I'm sure there is. Oh, but yeah. that would be really cool, you know.
1: Yeah. So, I want to get back to the minute here. We yeah. see um Mr. Walsh excitedly yeah. tear up the contract and throw it up in the air, and then from all yeah. around him comes more pieces of paper. Have you seen this? Yeah, I noticed that, because when he's trying <laughs> to rip
0: it, he looks like he's not even doing that well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's in the air, and it's like, and he beautifully of, he uh, clearly comes it up it so many him, pieces. Yeah. And I think... Wasn't I said, the, the, the
2: extra confetti that comes up is clearly thrown up behind him, too. Like, his his hands go up, and it throws
0: it in the air, and then oh, maybe yeah. Like, yeah. a
2: split second later, it's just like you <laughs> can see it come up from behind where his hands were. <laughs>
0: I must. I must thought that some of the the paper that came yeah. down was blue, and I think the it was, right. was all white. I don't know. I need to look at that again. But yeah. <laughs> um, now, Kyle, you—he's well, a little uh, quick well, to ahead, tear that
2: stuff up, isn't he?
0: He all he's taking is. His... Yeah. It was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, Kyle. Yeah. Yes, and I and I have that in a note. It's like who makes the decision to go from zero to a hundred that quickly? How could you? say... Oh, the jewels. Oh, I mean, shoot, that could have been uh, Kubrick's zirconium (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, uh, Rosalita was just playing a joke on him for all we know.
2: It'd be funny if it tore it up and threw it in the air. And then all of a sudden there was like, what what did you just do? This is all like worthless. It's like you said, it's just plastic. It was like, you know, fake jewelry back in the 16th century. Well, it's funny because we actually get a reference here to a scene that was taken out of the movie, which is something yep. that I think left a lot of us scratching yes. our heads for many years, and that's when da- uh, Data talks about the octopus when he's interviewed there. Mm-hmm. So did you guys, whenever you heard this in the movie, like what, what were your thoughts on what uh, Data was saying there? Well, we've
1: gone over this a couple of times, but um, whenever the first time I saw it, uh, I can't, I, don't, I really don't remember, man, because I've grown up like, you know kind of already knowing everything about this movie uh, in advance. Just kind of accept it. Yeah. And so I think I had heard that there was a deleted scene. I don't know where I had heard that as a young, young, young kid. But we've kind of chalked it up to, in terms of the theatrical cut of this movie, it's kids telling fibs and embellishing things. Right, uh, yeah. But it could also be an editor who got a memo very late in the game that they were taking that scene out, but he had already edited yeah. this. I have fallen into that situation myself. Yeah, um, there's no
2: no beer roll no second take of it yeah, or you know this is the best take do. that they had yeah
1: Yeah um but we have definitely agreed that it's you know for the better that that break dancing octopus didn't make it in Now Chris do you have some thoughts on Yeah this? I just want to yeah. say real quick the
0: first time um when I saw it in the theater being 7 years old I didn't even catch it you know um I I did later on and I just it, I guess the ADD in me and the—I know it didn't mean anything, and I didn't watch things sometimes. I, I really didn't watch them as close, movies as closer, closely as I do now. Yeah. Like now, as I've gotten older, I, I watch even before the minute. I uh and even before this minute podcast, I would I, I watch things much closer. So as I got older, maybe in my teens is when I first was like, "What is that? That's kind of weird." Uh, yeah, but it wasn't until a few months ago when I actually saw the deleted scene. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Kyle, you have some, some notes on this, don't you? Yeah, I
2: do. You know, what's funny is actually... So one day I was watching The Goonies, just like on a random Saturday. It was on the Disney Channel, and I was watching it, and the octopus scene was in the movie because sometimes when they play movies on TV, they need to fill a certain time or they need to cut some objectionable content. So being the Disney Channel, they had taken something out somewhere, and they stuck the octopus scene in the movie. And I was like, oh, my God, I must be watching like a, uh, you know, a director's cut or something like that, because I think I caught like a 1989 or 1990. They played Aliens on CBS one time and they played the actual director's cut of it, which has all this extra stuff, like another like, half hours, you know, 45 minutes worth of content in it. And that was the first time I saw that movie. So I rented it later and I'm like, wait, where's all the stuff that I saw in that, you know, that other time? So um, they actually played the part with the octopus and I was like, oh, oh, this is stupid. Oh, this is horrible. No wonder they took this out. A few months later i'm like at a party and this was probably like in 1999 maybe 19 maybe 2000 something like that uh and some people are talking about the Goonies, or somebody had just seen the Goonies for the first time, and immediately the question of the octopus came up. Somebody said, like, oh, you know, what uh, What was this scene where, you know, he's talking at the end of the movie about the octopus. I guess we'll never know, and I, like, jumped over the couch, and I was like, ah, let me tell you
1: what <laughs> happened there,
2: and I felt, like, so cool, but also I had zero proof because this was, you know, a time before the Goonies was released on DVD, and you couldn't get right. like, a hold of a VHS copy with this, you know, this edited-out scene or whatever. So, But this is really funny because they actually – Uh, there was (laughs) this scene with the octopus was, they kind of had some high hopes about the scene so much so that they actually wrote a song about it and included it on the Goonie soundtrack. So oh, what? Song, I did not know that. There was a song produced for this scene called Eight Arms to Hold You by the Goon Squad. And the Goon Squad oh, was just a goodness. group of studio musicians that came together and recorded this because they thought that this scene with the octopus was going to be like such a big deal. Uh, that's the actual that song, Eight Arms to Hold You, is the song played whenever Data sticks the uh, the the tape player into the octopus's mouth that makes it break dance and everything. They thought this is going to be a huge silly scene and the song was going to be like a huge hit. And they actually had a lot writing on the song Jesus. Um, because it wasn't used in that scene. It actually that song was used earlier in the film whenever uh, data no excuse me whenever chunk walks into the walsh's house. You can kind of hear it muted there in the background. Okay. So, uh, but. Eight Arms to Hold You was also the working title for the Beatles movie, Help, if you remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, and the Eight Arms in that actually referred to the Eight Arms of the Goddess Kali, which is a parody of the Thuggy Cult, which was also uh, in the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So, uh, And it actually, Eight Arms to Hold You, eventually became a the title the of... Salt, of right? Veruca Salt's album, which I think Veruca Salt was going through like a Beatles phase and they had a lot of references to the Beatles during that period. So, Um, but yeah, it actually reached number one on the Billboard Hot Dance Club party charts. And I think (laughs) it reached like number 80 overall, which is funny because the song like leaves no impression. So, they actually made a music video for it as well, which oh, you can find online, goodness. and I think it appeared on, like, Night Flight, which was this uh, late night kind of, like, um, uh, wow. music <laughs> video thing. So the video's hilarious. It's got this woman, and she's, you like, getting out of, on this, She has a, a an octopus pet in, like, a little uh, like a aquarium or whatever, and she takes it out, and it's looking at her, and she's like, oh, you're my little pet, and puts it in the song, Eight Arms to Hold You, which is completely forgettable, is playing in the background. The octopus eats some plant food while she's getting dressed to leave, and it grows big and then it like sneaks out of the aquarium while she's going to audition for the band the Goon Squad she wants to be the lead singer for it so the octopus uh, grows up eats all the food in her house and then somehow realizes that she's getting attacked by punk rockers at the studio when she's auditioning for the band so it shoots itself across town and then attacks the band's. it's this whole like weird clay animation thing but I would suggest if uh, anything I'm saying to you strikes your imagination at all definitely go look up this video because I'm going
0: YouTube all of this but you know what (laughs) I would like how I would like I would have loved to bring somebody in that's never seen this movie mm-hmm. and just let you sit down and say what you just did and see if they call somebody to put you in a straitjacket. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, I mean like that that's that's awesome. Yeah. And crazy and I love it. I love this kind of stuff. That's like like I I love it. I love finding I mean, out new stuff like this. Like I will I can't wait to go. <laughs> Like well, I'm gonna put use the auxiliary cord, the YouTube, and it's going on in my car as soon as I leave here. So, uh, you know. Love it.
2: Go ahead, uh, Chris. Being great. a being a wrestling fan, were you? Have you seen the full video for Cindy Lauper's "Goonies Are Good Enough"?
0: Yes. Yeah, that oh, was yes.
2: Funny. That was another one. That's where, like,
0: unbelievable. It's huh?
2: crazy, and I really like that song. I think that song is pretty amazing. Oh,
0: I do too. But when I, I was love young,
2: it. also uh, they aired on MTV the. Fr- so, so that's a two-part video. There's like they do the video yep. for "Good Enough" and then there was a sequel and the video. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah, which was like a remix of yeah. Um, of the Goonies are good enough, and I remember seeing that first video on MTV when I was a little kid. And then I don't know if they ever aired that second video, but the first video ends on a cliffhanger, where uh, Cindy Lauper's like screaming for Steven Spielberg to come help her or whatever, and then it just yeah, ends.
0: Captain Lou is the dad. Yeah,
2: yeah. Captain Lou Alban yes. is the dad. Or Roddy, Roddy Piper. Yeah. Uh, I've, is Ivan Koloff is, is there? Mr. T or,
0: in, is Mr. T in it.
2: I don't, I don't know, don't, I don't know Mr. T isn't, but this would have been the time of the rock and wrestling connection because a, Cindy Lauper yeah. did end up at WrestleMania one uh, fight. It was, she was in the corner of Wendy Richter, I think, when she fought Fabulous. Right, Middle. it was,
0: it, yeah, and it was Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus. Uh, uh, let's see, Paul Orndorff mm-hmm. and uh, Bob Orton, I think,
2: right? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, no, Rod, it was. Rod, yeah, you're right. It was Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper and Bob Orton was in the Roddy corner. Roddy Piper. Yes. Yeah. Stilka was yeah. in the corner of Mr. T yeah. and uh, and Hulk Hogan. So, but yeah, Cindy Lauber was all over the rock and wrestling connection back then, and she and Steven Spielberg had a pretty close relationship because she she actually was asked by Spielberg to be the producer for the soundtrack to this movie. Uh, so you know they had the, the uh, two songs by her on the soundtrack. She also got uh, the Bangles, Tina Marie, Ario Speedwagon. And Luther Vandross to put songs on the soundtrack as well so that um, that's but awesome. I really love the song Goonies are, are good enough I think it's a great pop song and it's really weird because they show it earlier in the movie they're actually watching it right. on TV and the funny part is that movie right. wasn't shot and that video wasn't shot until six months after the movie had finished production so <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool it's a really weird thing for them to drop in there so but um, no
0: that that song was one when I ever I used to do 80s mixes whenever you would yeah. you would burn in CDs oh, yeah. back in the uh, late 2000s my it was always on my '80s mixtape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a
2: good
1: song. It was man. hard to
2: get a hold of for it's a long a time song. too. Like I think through like Napster and LimeWire and Kazaa is really the first time I even had access to it. You know.
1: Oh
0: Napster, yeah. Oh
1: Napster. Well, let's see. Uh,
0: I tell you what. And getting back to the minute, is is a couple more things I wanted to mention. Number one, um, of course, you, you you do have an iconic picture of when they're looking at the Goonies and sloths with them they yeah. have it from the back and they have it for the front and it's right after it's when you you hear the music change and the uh reporter says holy mary mother of god yeah, the sheriff it's like yeah oh, is it the, sher- yeah, the sheriff does that right oh and then the next thing is the reporter goes from it's being a
1: pirate ship
0: ladies and gentlemen we're here from a story or the point or whatever yeah. whatever he says but he changes his voice completely and it goes so you're going from mr reporter intense to This is like uh, a godlike thing that we're seeing. So you see that beautiful pirate ship. Um, It gets to being like some southern... Yeah, and it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful scenery, Mm -hmm. beautiful sunset. It's a very touching moment. And you're having this really... Yeah, and you're having this really touching, emotional moment... But I love how they went to the finish quick, all of a sudden Sloth starts yelling Ah <laughs> and they do the dun, 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 real quick yeah, you know the so way end it kills they ended it for you
1: or Huh? Does it kill it for you? Sloth like No, I swimming. loved it. Yeah.
0: Because it went from being, you know, kind of emotional and sad to wait a minute, this is mm-hmm. fun and they won. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved it. And I think I love the way they did it. It's cool that Sloth gets to the last word, too. You get all the emotions there. Uh-huh touching and then it's like wait a minute we can't be sad sad even though it's a happy sad we need to be excited and then i think that's great it could not have ended better no it it, it really couldn't have and it's even though
1: we talked about there could have been a little rebuttal from the perkins
0: after that it couldn't have ended better
1: no absolutely i think it's uh there's some you know Beautiful camera work done with the uh, the pirate ship going through the rocks in the distance, which yeah. I can't tell if that's real or miniature. So I'm the sure majority of the time not...
2: that I spent researching this minute tonight was trying to figure out if that was a real pirate ship that they had sailing through the rocks. Because when it goes between the rocks, it looks like a real ship. And then at the very last shot where it's sailing off into the sunset, clearly yeah. it's, uh, it's I mean, that one's, green screen. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, there are uh, companies that will actually make pirate ships for movies. The Pirates of the Caribbean movies have uh, this company come out and make, you know, like the Black Pearl or the Dauntless or whatever for each of their movies. And I'm sure it's a massive undertaking, but I figured for this, they probably could have gotten like a... Um, You know, there's there's ships out there like, you know, historical recreations of ships that sail from port to port and kids can go on
0: and look at it. And, you know, they'll tell you about the there's one in Treasure Island, Florida, where my girlfriend has a timeshare each year outside of Tampa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And not the one at Tampa Raymond James Stadium either. But um, the actual goes into port there and people can get on it. And I've got pictures of this thing. It looks exactly like my oh, wow. Willie ship, and just, I'm gonna—I'll be there
1: in a month, and I'm gonna take pictures from on it. Cool. Just this last weekend, I actually, uh, could post a video of it. That's what I'll do. Do that. Uh, just this last weekend, one called El Gallion, which travels the world, actually came to Baton Rouge, and was docked for a uh, couple of weeks, and we went on it. And man, those those guys had it tough. Yeah. I mean, there's just some some tight quarters. You know, living on one of those things would not have been that uh that much fun, especially not when your captain kills you. Yeah and then locks the ship away in a cave. The Inferno seems like it was but, um, a little
2: hellhole to be a, a, a crew member of, you know.
1: Yeah, seriously. So yeah, that that ending is incredible and it's got you know great camera work. The music is half of what makes that ending so incredible. Score is amazing. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that the Goonies get the official Goonies um get their own shot. And there's a certain like kind of the, the music peaks at one point and you just see the the official Goonies like looking out and it's uh, it's a great send-off. It's a finality. Yeah, exactly. It's a very music. satisfying ending. Yeah. yeah, it is. And then, uh, and then, yeah. So, you know, we talked with Mark about if the ship sailing out was One-Eyed Willie's last booby trap. Yeah. In that, if you were to touch that treasure, you were going to be set out to sea with no way to get back. Granted, you could jump off, but it's sort of the idea is that—that's what I think be, the idea. Yeah, you're, you're trapped or whatever um well also if, if it this sails is, out
2: you know and there's a dead crew on it that thing eventually is going to sink you know so it's kind of like the last time that one-eyed Willie's able to take his treasure down with him so nobody else can touch it
1: too so that's yeah. true yeah there's that too um and then we get uh mikey giving a little gratitude yes. towards willie which was which was cool you know there is that respect there you know i think we needed to see that Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we needed that closure. And it's a bittersweet closure for Mikey. Yeah. And I've always enjoyed bittersweet uh, endings in movies. And they can get a little cliche. I mean, you always know the beats of, of uh, so you're going to be all right. I think so. And then you're two, <laughs> and you two protagonists. Like, uh,
0: <laughs> What's his name? What, um, why can't I remember the dude's name from uh, The Matrix? What's his name? Lawrence Fishburne? Though. Keanu Reeves
1: yeah that's who you sounded. Like. Oh, <laughs> he sounded just like Keanu Reeves right there okay so anyway uh <laughs> God, I forgot what I was talking about um I do that yes you do yes you do it's it's a great ending and that's where we were uh just you know I, I don't know I think it's the right I way to edit, end edit, the movie edit. it was is is the fact that they don't get the treasure they don't really get what they set out for granted they get just enough to save the goondocks um but you know, okay, so they they got what they needed to save the Goondocks. But Mikey Walsh set out to find the ship, claim the treasure, and even if not to claim the treasure, be the one to finally discover the ship. Be the one to beat One Eyed Willie at his own game. And so he did he it. Very competitive. He's very and he competitive, won. and he won. And uh, And so when he says thanks, Willie, I don't think he's saying thanks for helping me save my community. I think it's thanks for giving me the opportunity to prove something to myself that I lacked. At the beginning of this movie. I buy that.
0: Yeah.
2: I've got one note. There's a little musical interlude. It's kind of played throughout this movie, and I don't know what to refer to it as. I don't know whose theme it is. But when Mikey is waving goodbye to One-Eyed Willie there, they kind of play it. It's the... You know, like that sound like that. Mm
1: -hmm. That
2: is... um, I think uh, it reminds me a lot of a song called Bury Us Alive by the band STRFKR. Don't want to say the full name on the on the show. Uh, it's a family show, <laughs> I know who but you're um. About, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're a band from Portland, Oregon, who had an album called Reptilians, and they also have a song that I'm called Astoria, and I was never able to really, I don't think it's a sample of it, but I think they're trying to, like, emulate that little note from the Goonies, but... Really? Yeah, this uh, this movie hmm. does have an amazing soundtrack, and it's got a great, uh, not soundtrack, score, excuse me, and it's a great send-off there for the Goonies at the very end. I think it uh, it fits really well. It's very rousing, and, you know, seeing the pirate ship go off into the sunset, it, you do kind of feel like the stories come full circle, so... <laughs>
1: You know, and to, to go back to those couple of musical notes, that, is, that comes from this sort of discovery theme yeah. that they play throughout the movie that Chris has made mention of several times. And it's always played over these minor chords, and it's very dramatic and mysterious. And we get it here at the, the very end. You, you always get it with Mikey. It's really only ever played when Mikey's got something going on. And here at the end, it's played over a sort of like a, more of a positive sound in yeah. the music. So, I think it kind of adds, you know, subconsciously to the fact that this person has, you know, gotten himself to some kind of positive uh, ending. So, just as I think this show has come to a positive ending, <laughs> I I do believe, uh, what, five, six months in? What do you, what do you say, Chris? Um, well, considering it's
0: 147 minutes for, so, you yeah, know,
1: four and a half. Four and a half? Damn. Yeah. Man, it seems like Ghostbusters Minute lasted years. And Jurassic Park Minute it's lasted Because we a were on the verge of a fourfold <laughs> crossroad. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> a PKE surge of immense even danger I knew we first. couldn't get through this without a without a reference. Um so Chris, what I guess if something else comes to mind about the Goonies from either one of you, uh, you know, just go ahead and chime in. But uh, Chris, your experience with movies by minutes, what, what what's it been like? It has allowed
0: me to voice my opinion on many things that I have not had a chance to voice to as many people as I do now. Mm-hmm. It has given me a platform to uh, make my brain work in a different way.
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, it has given me ideas of other things that I want to do. It's uh, it's made me want to engage the both of you and others about different ideas. Um, I always said, you know, the worst thing that's gonna ever happen from doing this podcast and this podcast business is we're gonna have a lot of fun. The best case that's gonna happen would make some money. But either but if the worst thing that can happen is that I have a great time doing it and I meet really cool people, then I consider that a win. Yeah. So yeah. that's I'll leave
1: it at that. That's good. Very good. Uh, I think this might actually be my retirement for movies by minutes, I think. It's uh it's we'll see about that. Uh, we'll see about that. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> hit stop recording here and be like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, weekend at Bernie's eight hasn't well, had a that's, that's one know? of the
0: things as I said, that's why if if we do it. we ever do that again, I'm going to be able to help you with the editing because that's the thing that drives, that's tough. You know, it just, it's made me
1: work my brain in a creative way and that's what I'm excited about. That is, that's the beautiful thing about podcasting and it's a beautiful thing I think about the Movies by Minutes platform and what uh, the guys over at Star Wars Minute, you know, were able to do is to give people like you and I and all the other people in this little Movies by Minutes family uh, an opportunity to do and that's engage and have fun, you know? And, uh, and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. It's made me look at,
0: it it makes me look at all movies differently Mm -hmm. and probably makes me enjoy movies more because I feel like I have a better understanding other than just on the surface. So that's kind of, that's kind of exciting for me. Yeah,
1: definitely. But that's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. Chris, it's been real, dude. It's been fun. I've had a good time doing this with you. And uh, Kyle,
2: you got anything else? That's pretty much all I got. Congratulations again for making it this far. And, you know, thanks to you guys for sticking it out. You know, this is. uh, Movies by minute thing is really fun, but about three quarters of the way through the movie, it also gets to be very, very taxing. You know, and you still love doing the episodes, but it's definitely a huge time sink. And, uh, but I think you guys. Excuse me, you have done a really good job uh, with what you've done here with Goonies Men, and I think, uh, I think this one will stand the test of time. So congratulations, gentlemen.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Before we go ahead and get out of here for the last time, uh, I want to read a passage from the original draft of the script, an oath that the Goonies gave to each other. I will say it to you guys, our listeners, and all the other Goonies out there in the world. I will never betray my Goondock friends. We will stick together until the whole world ends. Through heaven and hell and nuclear war, good pals like us will stick like tar. In the city, or the country, or the forest, or the boonies, I am proudly declared one of the Goonies. All right, so for the last time, this is Brady. And this is Chris. And this is Kyle. And we're here to remind you that Goonies never say die. die.